Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part two of our evaluation of small bowel tumors. I left off last time finishing a small bowel adenocarcinoma, and let's get started about carcinoid tumors. Carcinoid tumors of the GI tract are a biologically heterogeneous group of tumors with a spectrum ranging from benign indolent tumors to aggressive metastatic neoplasms. We are seeing four times as many carcinoids as we were seeing 30 or 40 years ago. They're most common in the ileum and least common in the duodenum, but we are seeing more duodenal tumors, but they are a little bit different than the ileal carcinoids. It's more common in men, more common in African-Americans, and lower for Hispanics. It can be an incidental finding on CT or endoscopy, or patients can present with carcinoid syndrome, which means they have liver mets already. It can present with bowel obstruction, perforation, intussusception, ischemia, GI bleeding, Obviously, many different ways carcinoid tumors can present. Now, if we think about duodenal carcinoid tumors first, they're a little bit different than the typical carcinoid we think about. Serotonin excess and carcinoid syndrome rarely are seen with these tumors. They arise from gastrin-producing G cells or somatostatin-producing D cells. D cell duodenal somatostatinomas arise in the periampulary region and are commonly associated with neurofibromatosis type 1. So they are a little bit different. These lesions are typically small, but they enhance intensely. When periampulary, they can obstruct the common bile duct and present with jaundice. And if positioned correctly, these neuroendocrine tumors can look identical to a neuroendocrine tumor of the pancreatic head. Now, the ileal and jejunal, which are more common, with the ileum being the most common site, arterial phase imaging with MPR is crucial for CT detection of these lesions. We can be very successful, particularly with using MIP imaging and fast injections, of picking up tumors at least one to two centimeters, being a level we should be able to see the tumor. And often we will see a mass in the mesentery with desmoplastic reaction. Sometimes you can see the mass in the mesentery with desmoplastic reaction. So you know you're dealing with a carcinoid tumor, but you, but you may not see the primary. Sometimes the primary is just a couple millimeters in size. Another important thing to remember with carcinoid tumors, the primary mass in bowel, which is often small, is often multiple. Desmoplastic reaction is classic. Calcifications in about 70% of the cases of the mesenteric mass Remember, one challenging diagnosis if you don't see a mass in bowel and you only see the mesenteric mass is sclerosing mesenteritis, which often commonly calcifies. It gives not quite the same desmoplastic reaction. So that really impressive desmoplastic reaction with encasement of SMA and SMV are more classic in carcinoid tumors. Carcinoid tumors, when you do get liver mets, they're always going to be hypervascular. Now, people have written some articles like this Kamaui article looking at how good we are, how good CT enterocolysis can be for looking at small carcinoid tumors. The overall sensitivity and specificity was 100% and 96.2% respectively. Negative predictive value of CT enterocolysis was 100%. Positive predictive value, 94.7%. So I'm not sure we can do that well, but it does make the point that if you do a quality study, your accuracy is going to be very high. Some examples. Now here's the ones that are commonly missed. You look at this patient with abdominal pain, and you look quickly, maybe you don't see much, but a normal pretty scan, arterial phase. But if you look harder, there's a one centimeter lesion right in the duodenum. 
if I do the coronal views and narrow the window a bit, look how much more obvious it is, right? Perfectly obvious, one sodomial lesion in the duodenum, classic for a carcinoid tumor. Yes, if the patient had renal cell carcinoma, you could think about a MET, that's rare. If the patient had a gist tumor, occasionally gist tumors can look very similar and commonly occur in duodenum. Gists often grow exophytic. Sometimes gists and carcinoids look the same, but carcinoids stay intraluminal. Uh, gist tumors tend to be intra and extraluminal in their appearance. Another example here, another second portion of duodenum, there's a little over a one centimeter mass with an area of necrosis or ulceration right there. Beautiful example of a carcinoid tumor. And here it is as I change the windows just a bit. Vascular lesion, this could be a gist tumor, I would agree, but this is a carcinoid, very nicely shown. I made the point before that it can be difficult to distinguish a neuroendocrine tumor of the pancreas proper from a duodenal carcinoid. And here's a good example. This was initially read as a pancreatic mass, and you can see why it's sitting by the pancreas. But when you get some of the coronal views, it's still, you can argue, it's coming off the uncinate, perhaps. But when you look at all of the images, it looks like it's near rather than off the pancreas. And this was a carcinoid tumor of the duodenum. Now, the truth is, it's going to be biopsy. The truth is, it's going to be resected. And they're both going to get a Whipple's procedure, so it really is not going to matter, and the pathologist can make the final diagnosis. But it is something that can be challenging at times. I mentioned they can be small. Look at the third portion of the duodenum. If you look very carefully, there's a small lesion under a centimeter that's very bright. And one of the things in CT, why water is a great contrast agent, things that are small will stand out against water when they're vascular. In this case, you can imagine if I had positive contrast, this likely would have been overlooked. But there it is. And there it is nicely on the coronal view. Easy to see. Now, carcinoids can be larger. Here's an example of a mass, which again, almost looks like it's coming off the pancreas. I couldn't say it wasn't on these images. Maybe it's a neuroendocrine tumor. It wouldn't have the look of an adenocarcinoma, but maybe neuroendocrine. Then when you start looking at the images, you begin to realize it's probably near rather than coming off the pancreas. And this was a carcinoid of the duodenum. Another example. Again, look at the uh, third and fourth portion of duodenum. You see how there's some superiorly soft tissue thickening? And you see when you narrow the window, you see the infiltration right here. You see the increased enhancement. Yes, I know it's subtle. But look how nicely, particularly when you go from the 2D to the 3D, there is the lesion infiltrating. Again, easy to walk by, but you recognize the duodenal folds, and here the folds are obscure. There's something infiltrating, and that's the patient's carcinoid tumor. Again, 3D imaging can be very valuable. We always make the point that things are often shown better in the volume, and this is just a wonderful example making that point. And here it is on the cinematic where I'm able to show you the difference in texture of the tumor itself from the fluid as well as the mucosa of the duodenum. Look how obvious this lesion is. And again, one of the things I would like to be able to do is really make cinematic a mainstream process to improve our accuracy. Just a beautiful example in this case. Another case. Here again, this was thought to be maybe a pancreatic mass. There's something in the third and fourth portion of duodenum. There also looks like there's something either in the pancreas or in the mesentery. You can see when you look at this epicenter, 
Again, it's a challenge, but whatever this is, looks like it's arising or involving the third and fourth portion of duodenum. Maybe it's a pancreatic neuroendocrine tumor involving duodenum. Usually it's on one side, not the circumferential duodenum. And then you look at the encasement of the portal vein and SMV, the SMA, the mass in the mesentery. Again, that extra mass makes me think of carcinoid. The changes look like a desmoplastic reaction. That's good for a carcinoid tumor and not good for pancreatic cancer. And again, very nicely showing you the MIP images. Another example, this patient was also sent to multidisciplinary conference. Liver mets, so you're thinking something vascular, maybe carcinoid, neuroendocrine tumor. You're looking, what's going on? Is there something in the porta hepatis? Again, you see the liver lesions. And you keep going, and as you go down, there's something sitting right in the duodenum right there. It's slightly enhancing. And you recognize what you're dealing with is a duodenal carcinoid tumor mildly obstructing the common duct, and there's a large nodal mass in the porta hepatis. Just a really nice example. Again, the volume rendered views accentuate the mass that's sitting in the patient's bowel. And again, we could really accentuate it on the cinematic rendering. So again, some very nice examples of duodenal carcinoid tumors. Now, I mentioned liver mets. An important thing to remember is liver mets are vascular with carcinoid tumor. If you don't do arterial phase imaging and only venous or even delayed, you're gonna miss most metastases. It's also important to scan the patient with the same protocol every time because METs can wash out. So you need to be very careful when you're comparing different time points. Here's another case. Here's a mass in the mesentery with dense calcifications. There's a desmoplastic reaction. The only thing you could think about, of course, would be sclerosing mesenteritis if you weren't going with carcinoid. And to me, the desmoplastic reaction really pushes me to carcinoid tumor. Here it is on the MIP imaging. You see the irregularity of the ileal branches off the SMA. There's encasement and irregularity. That's a desmoplastic reaction. Here it is on the cinematic rendering. And here it is when I accentuate the vessels on the cinematic rendering, very nicely showing you that desmoplastic reaction. Here's another example, mass in the mesentery. I should mention mass in the mesentery. You can think about a desmoid tumor. You can think about metastasis. You can think about lymphoma. But this is enhancing. And when you look hard, there is a desmoplastic reaction. Mesenteric masses enhancing desmoplastic reaction best shown in the coronal view you got to be thinking carcinoid tumor just a beautiful example and here it is when you go to the MIP imaging it shows you the stretching of the vessels off the SMA the encasement also telling you this patient would not be resectable because you could not resect the patient's SMA in that regard here's that desmoplastic reaction nicely shown in the cinematic rendering another example liver metastasis, mass in the mesentery, enhancement, carcinoid tumor. There is some areas of calcification. Remember we said 70% of the mesenteric masses from carcinoid tumor will have calcification. Again, nicely shown here, it's involving the SMV, occluding portions of the SMV with collateral vessels shown, as well as the liver metastasis. Here it is in the cinematic showing you both arterial and venous involvement. Another case, there's the mass in the mesentery, very nicely shown. And then what you can see here, there's an enhancing lesion in the patient's ileum. 
So this is a nice example, again, of a carcinoid tumor. The thing you noticed first was the mass in the mesentery. And then here you can see the mass in the small bowel and you see the liver mets. So one of the things to recognize is at times it could be challenging to see the small bowel lesion. You may need to work hard at it. You see the mass in the mesentery and desmoplastic reaction, so you know there's a carcinoid. So you gotta look really hard. Narrow windows, multiplanar, 3D, all make it easy to see that lesion and make the correct diagnosis and show the extent of the patient's tumor and what would need to be done surgically. Now, another tumor that becomes very important are GIST tumors. It's the most common mesenchymal tumor of the GI tract, and we do typically think about GIST tumors in the stomach, and I've given you a recent lecture on GIST tumors in the stomach. They're very large, but they also can occur in the small bowel. They can be challenging. In the small bowel, they can be small and really simulate the look of a carcinoid tumor because they're very vascular. When they get larger, they're not very vascular. It's interesting, the most common location would be duodenum, then jejunum, then ileum. Small bowel gist tumors can be found incidentally or can be found uh, with Q presentations like GI bleeding. And I've seen a number of smaller tumors present with GI bleeding. I think the biggest challenge with gist tumors of a small bowel is confusing them with carcinoids as well as this time confusing them with lymphoma, particularly when they're exophytic. So some pearls. In terms of small bowel gist tumors, the tumors can be very large and markedly exophytic with a heterogeneous appearance on CT and MR because of hemorrhage and necrosis. Calcification can occur, similar to a lyomyoma, and these tumors are often hypervascular and can be hypermetabolic on PET imaging. In this article by Williams, malignant gist tumors can present with mets to the liver, omentum, and peritoneum. Gist tumors are one of the things when they go to the liver, give cystic liver metastasis. Once patients have had surgery, uh, you need to be very careful in terms of follow-up. Usually it's yearly to make sure the patient doesn't uh, have recurrence. Now I mentioned the enhancement pattern of gist tumors can be variable, but my rule tends to be the smaller lesions under 2 cm are very vascular, approaching carcinoid. Those over 5 cm are relatively hypovascular. Again, the presentation, we've seen intersusceptions, we've seen a number of cases of GI bleeding, and we also see patients simply with abdominal pain, not to mention incidental gist tumors. In terms of path, they're unique. Almost all GIST tumors express active KIT receptor tyrosine kinase mutants. Um, the, the constitutive expression of CD117 in GIST tumors also distinguishes them from other mesenchymal tumors, including lyomyomas. In terms of appearance, when they're small, intramural masses, but they can grow extraluminal or extra exophytic, depending how you want to call it. Ulcerations, which leads to GI bleeding, are not uncommon. They typically don't produce adenopathy, they don't produce desmoplastic reaction, and 3D can be very valuable. Every once in a while, like in this case, they present as a pancreatic mass. Here's a large mass that was felt to be a pancreatic cancer, maybe a neuroendocrine tumor of the pancreas, but you look and you say, boy, that lesion is smooth, it's homogeneous. For neuroendocrine, it's not very vascular. For adenocarcinoma, it's too smooth. Also, you don't see duct dilatation. If I had an adenocarcinoma that large, you would have an obstructed common duct. You look at the lesion on the coronal venous phase, it has some enhancement. 
It's pushing but not invading the portal vein or SMV. On the arterial map, the celiac, the SMA, the hepatic artery, the GDA, all are kind of pushed. There's a little bit of neovascularity seen, but the vessels are preserved. Again, here's some of the neovascularity, but you can see the arteries and the veins are preserved. Uh, in this article by K, primary duodenal gists are generally large, well-defined, heterogeneously enhancing, and hypervascular masses with a prominent mixed growth pattern on CT. Our experience, there's two types. One, the small lesions that are vascular that simulate the carcinoid tumor, and the second are these larger lesions which are always confused with pancreatic cancer. Here's a good example of a duodenal gist tumor near the ampulla. Again, you look at this as vascular, could be carcinoid, or even in this case, these first few images can look identical to pancreatic, adeno, not an adenocarcinoma, but a neuroendocrine tumor. Again, even here, it's a little tricky. You try to convince yourself it's duodenum, but in your heart, you're still thinking about pancreas. Can be somewhat tricky. There it is with branch vessels off the patient's SMA. So again, very, very nicely shown in this example. Here's the cinematic rendering showing you the mass right there. Another example of a GIST tumor. Remember I said they're often exophytic. Again, at first glance, you say maybe this is pancreas, but then you realize it's coming off laterally. It's coming off the duodenum. There's the vascularity of the lesion. Feeding vessel is off the GDA. And there it is on venous, this slight prominence of the pancreatic duct. Again, you can imagine why you're thinking pancreatic head, but again, you're looking and thinking duodenum as well. And when you start looking at all of the images, you're gonna go with duodenum. And then you're gonna say, is this a carcinoid? Could be. Is this gonna be a gist? Could be. But because it's more exophytic than intraluminal, you gotta go with a gist tumor, and that was the answer. We mentioned duodenal gist tumors are more common in patients with neurofibromatosis. Here's a case very similar to the last patient. There's a large mass coming off or adjacent to the duodenum. It's vascular, some central necrosis, a flow from the GDA. Just a very nice example of a duodenal uh, gist tumor in a patient who had um, neurofibromatosis. So a really nice example. Just a few more images showing you that as well. And again, I have to admit the challenge of saying specifically what it is, you're not always gonna be right, but again, this will need to be biopsied, but I'll be telling the clinician, I think it's duodenum, and I think it's gonna be a gist based on its exophytic nature and its vascularity, seen nicely on the MIP images. Another example, image on the right, you see a mass which looks intraluminal and it's enhancing in the jejunum. Image on the left, you can see it has an exophytic component. Again, it all depends how you look at the lesion. Exophytic component, then I'm going with a gist rather than a carcinoid. Very vascular. This was a two centimeter lesion. This patient presented with unexplained GI bleeding. Just a beautiful example showing you the patient's lesion. Here it is nicely showing you the exophytic nature of the tumor. Really nicely shown there. And here it is on cinematic rendering as well. So in terms of differential diagnosis, the challenges can simulate adenocarcinoma, particularly when it's not vascular, can simulate lymphoma, but there's no nodes typically, and at times pancreatic adenocarcinoma. Just a couple incidental gist tumor. Here's one coming off the duodenum, a one centimeter lesion that's mildly vascular. There is a question, do you operate on this patient or do you simply follow them? But you can see as we do CT better, 
better techniques, thinner sections, post-processing, small incidental gist tumors are something we're going to see more of. And of course, you can see it very nicely, even better, on the patient's cinematic rendering. One of the challenges sometimes with gist tumors is they get larger, they're exophytic, and you're not certain they're coming from bowel. Patient had vague abdominal pain. There's a 5 cm mass in the right lower quadrant. You see it axially. You see it on the coronal. You see it again on the 3D. That's the uh, SMA. There's the mass right here, right? It's relatively hypovascular. There it is again, venous phase coronal views. You can see why it's easy to miss and why this lesion was missed like three times. Probably people thought it was unopacified bowel. One of the things with gist tumors shown nicely in this case, even when they're large, they don't cause bowel obstruction because they're exophytic in nature, and that becomes very important. Now, sometimes they're very bulky. They go beyond the lumen. They can ulcerate. Here's a gist off the proximal jejunum, large, bulky tumor necrosis, adenopathy nearby, and you can see some of the irregularity of the vessels of the jejunal branches of the patient's SMA. And again, here on the venous side, some of the venous involvement of vessels off the patient's SMV and also off the SMA, all nicely shown. And again, the areas of necrosis in the tumor are accentuated on the patient's cinematic rendered images, shown here as well. Now, I mentioned they could be large. Here's another large mass. Looks very similar to the case before, but that was 5 cm. This is 8 cm. Large, bulky tumors. What else could you think about? A desmoid tumor, some sort of sarcoma, maybe lymphoma. Again, because of the exophytic nature, you don't recognize that it's coming off bowel. And also because it's exophytic, it's not causing any bowel obstruction. Just to make the point how large they can be, look at the size of this gist tumor. Oh my goodness. Look at its vascularity. Okay. Um, look at the necrosis, the venous involvement. We did some very impressive vascular 3D mapping for the surgeons in this case. And believe it or not, they operated successfully removing the tumor. Younger patient, they felt they can debulk it and they were successful in part by knowing the vascular map and what was encased. Again, mentioning large gist tumors, this looks like a big retroperitoneal mass. This mass at the end of the day was coming off the second portion of duodenum and just growing downward. I would have thought it was a retroperitoneal mass growing upward and downward or a pelvic mass growing upward. Second portion, third portion of the duodenum simply growing down. So gist tumors can be extremely large when they're exophytic and you can see some of the modeled enhancement in this case very nicely. And here you see it on the sagittal view as well. I've shown you a lot of different gist tumors because I really want you to get a feel of the variability in appearances. Here's another one similar to a case a few minutes ago, vascular, exophytic. On the right view, it looks intraluminal, differential, carcinoid versus gist tumor. This was a gist tumor, okay? Heterogeneous enhancement was significantly associated with non low risk of tumor progression. The association was expected as heterogeneous reflects necrosis, which is associated with increasing size. Size is determined in risk of progression, hence the assumption can be made that heterogeneous enhancement indirectly reflects risk. This makes the point, and we don't have time to go into it in detail, that a lot of work now is being done with imaging, including radiomics, 
to determine whether not only can we look at tumors, detect tumors, define vascularity, but use the profile of the lesion to predict how patients are going to do. Again, we mentioned about neurofibromatosis type 1 and GIST tumors. Um, it's interesting, uh, neurofibromatosis type 1 is one of the most common single gene disorders. The NF1 abdominal manifestations include five categories of tumors, including these um, GIST tumors as one of the possibilities. Here's a great example. Look at the patient's skin. Multiple, multiple neurofibromas. Then look at the patient's small bowel, an image on the right. Look at these multiple vascular lesions. These were multiple GIST tumors. So again, GIST tumors associated with neurofibromatosis type 1, and it can be multiple lesions. Just very impressive how you see the lesions and not causing obstruction, but it's because of the vascularity. If you see neurofibromatosis in a patient, make sure you look very carefully at the patient's small bowel. And here's the cinematic rendering of that case as well. Very, very nicely shown. Again, here's a few more images. And there's the skin with neurofibromatosis. So again, imaging the skin, imaging the small bowel, all in a day's work showing one of the manifestations of an impressive case of neurofibromatosis. I mentioned this before, but let me show you again. Small bowel gist tumors are one of the things that has cystic liver mets. You can see the large mass left lower quadrant, again, exophytic. You see the multiple liver metastasis, which have slight vascularity and displacement of vessels. Really impressive necrosis. You can see the size of that gist tumor on the coronal views. Also noting that despite the size, there's no evidence of obstruction. Here's another example. We didn't know what this lesion was. We thought maybe it was an implant in the pelvis, maybe a desmoid, homogeneous, smooth. This was resected. It was a lyomyoma. So at times, these lesions can overlap and they can be challenging. So again, I've showed you a number of cases to make sure you recognize the variability in appearances. And here's just one more example, which was a lyomyoma. Again, people used to confuse lyomyomas and gist tumors from an imaging perspective. It's really hard. It's really a path diagnosis. So the next tumor I want to speak about is lymphoma. But the fact is I've spoken to you for 26 minutes. Let's take a break here and let's come back with small bowel lymphoma. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.